Welcome to our show, Calm is Hot, short for Communication is Hot. I'm your host, Jade. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Storytelling is a huge part of how humankind has communicated for centuries, and it's played a crucial role in my development, growth, successes, and magical connections on my journey of life. I believe each of us has a story to share. My goal is to create space for underrepresented voices to be able to do so and improve our communication skills so we may be the best versions of ourselves and exist in harmony. Make sure you stay tuned weekly for new episodes by yours truly and with guests. Stay in touch on Instagram at calm underscore is underscore hot. Details in the show notes below. Lastly, all content is intended for educational purposes only. Let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Calm is Hot. I'm your host, Jade. My pronouns are she, hers. We have a very special guest with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Jeff, but my name is Fred too. And I graduated from SF State in the year 2016, and I was classmates with Jade. So we spent a lot of time as students together, as master's students. And uh, yeah, so right now I'm teaching in Nairobi, Kenya. So that's where I'm uh, talking to you from. And it's 8.45 right now at night. Thank you for letting me keep you up. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. And we have had so many memories and shared experiences in graduate school together. And I think one of the funnest things for me is how our identities in the world in many ways are so different. But despite all of our differences, right? Like if I recall correctly, you're also, are you still a priest? Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm a practicing priest and now a professor of communication here in Nairobi. That so is... many multiple identities that I carry. Yes, yes. And then here I am just this like kind of bumbly trans girl who's like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> And I think in so many ways, American society feels so divided with, with all of these things. And yet we're just like chilling, friendly, like I, that. And that's one of the things that I truly love about you and why I had to have you on this podcast. It's, it's a joy to be here myself. I've not seen it in a long time. Say so I had to do this so that I had to be able to be able to spend some time with you. So Yay, reconnect. <laughs> now we are going to be focusing on some of the political activism that's happening. Would you like to uh, kind of lead the way with that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jade. I appreciate you inviting me to your show. And as I said, I had to do it because I wanted to spend time with the haven't seen you in a long time. So this is really very important for me. 
as you had in uh, some of the classes that we shared together as students in a grad school, I, I come from Uganda and I don't know how much some of your listeners and your viewers know about this country. And I just want to begin with just giving a little bit of a context before we dive into other matters that are happening. Uganda is found in the Eastern Africa. This is like the Horn of Africa. And it's a very beautiful country right on the equator. And it's a former British colony. We got our independence in 1962. And it's a country that has a very traumatic political history. We've never had a peaceful change of government in that country. Literally every government had to shoot another government out of power. So people and the citizens are somehow feel exhausted after a long time with all of these regime changes since independence. We never had any peaceful experiences. So in the year 1986, we had a different government takeover led by President Museveni, who was a Marxist. These are guerrilla fighters who took over the government. And they gave the country and the citizens lots of promises. We're going to do this. We're going to enjoy your freedoms, your property, and your life is going to be protected. And the economy is going to be helped in this way and that way. And uh, I think they did very well in the first years. They tried to do that. A country that was in shambles after so many years somehow was rebuilt. We got the roads again, and we got this and that, and a lot of good things started happening. But as happens with those kinds of things, it reaches a time when these freedom fighters, the ones or the liberators, kind of like become too comfortable, and they just want to stay there. They are narrow political space. They don't want any alternative opinions. And that's uh, kind of like the experience that we went through or that we are. As I speak right now, we have a president who has been in power since 1986. Can you imagine somebody since 1986? Yeah. That is shocking. It, I feel like in so many ways, like U.S. Congress stays in forever. And one of the biggest critiques of that is that people who stay in these political offices of power, they lose touch. They lose touch with what's really happening. They lo they're they kind of set in that way. Absolutely. Is that the same case there? The same thing. The same case, yeah. You got it. And so we we have... A political class that has been with us since 1986, and they have never gone to a gas station to pay for gas out of their pockets. And uh, so they, 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 they're enjoying like power provides privileges, and then people get so much used to those that they just don't want to leave, or they just want to stay around. So this is the kind of political crisis that we are struggling with. And how long can that last? People reach a point and they want to choose their own leaders. They reach a time and they want to enjoy certain freedoms. 
to be able to say this and to do that. And the, the current government just won't allow that because it kind of like turning over the, the, you know, the table that has all the goodies on it. So they, right now, as we say, we're really going through a, a sort of a very difficult time in terms of like a, just a civil liberties, the enjoyment of basic freedoms. And the current regime has so many laws that they have come, they are put in place. That's difficult for people to participate politically, but also to be able to speak. And yet that is something that I really, really, really value. Because I'm a little bit opinionated. And when I see something that is not going right, I want to say something or write in a newspaper. So every voice that is dissenting and doesn't follow the line, likely you are not going to get a space to be able to say anything on TV or radio or in the mainstream news or the mainstream newspapers. There are laws that we have here that I, I just read and I just feel now. What is happening in this country? There is what we call the political, the Public Order Management Act. So you cannot, Ugandans cannot gather together to protest government policies. They require written permission from the police, which is actually rarely granted for anyone to be able to protest. There is uh, what we call the Political Parties Organization Act of 2005. The president is the only one who chooses the members of the electoral commission and the, their neutrality is really now in, uh, is questionable about organizing credible elections. There is the Press and Journalists Act of 2000, of the year 2000. Every journalist in the country must be registered and you need to go and get a, 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 a sort of a, a badge or something from the government. And if you're the kind that has all these other ideas that are not really pro-government, you're going to end up in problems. There is the Electronic Media Act of 1996, which there is, they regulate the content that you can broadcast. They also, they're the ones that, of course, that grant the permission for the license for you to broadcast, and they can withdraw that license anytime. Then we have the, the Computer Misuse Act of 2011. The stuff that you see online can be brought up against you. So there are things like that. For example, there was also other things like the Anti-Pornography Act that is, and it's, you know, some of the things they say like, you know, they touch on freedom, withdraw freedoms, and then you can't say this, and then you can't organize very easily. So you basically, it's like, sort of like you reduce a whole country into one very huge uh, prison or camp where you have all these people that are just uh, looking up there and giving you instructions. But as far as human beings are concerned, they will always find the ways of trying to, to reclaim their freedoms and they reclaim space so that they can be able to express themselves. 
there is one thing that has happened uh, because most of the activists can't access the regular media, like the televisions, because some of them, the private ones are afraid of being shut down. The ones of the government can't really give you any space. Much of Uganda's public debate and activism has immigrated online. So there are YouTube channels, there are Facebook pages, there is Twitter, and all other social media platforms that you can think of. That's where now people really holding the debates. Now, what does the government do? They impose very, they impose the very huge taxes on, on the access to the internet, which makes it very difficult for people to buy internet airtime or whatever they call it so that they can be able to do this kind of organizing and mobilizing themselves and providing alternative opinions in the country. And last year we had the national elections, the government decided to shut down Facebook. So Facebook has been shut down in Uganda. And this is coming to almost, two, almost a year and a half. So then people have to find ways of, you know what, we still like, get VPN and try to be present. So it's things like this, that now people are kind of like responding to and trying to come up with ways of getting themselves heard and also kind of like, you know, just uh, putting a voice out there. So one of the things that I see now that is going on, you know, activism can take a lot of different ways. But I'm so uh, excited about the kinds of methods that people have come up with. The one method that I've seen, there are so many ways of protesting and doing activism. Of course, there are the traditional ones like come up with slogans, come up with banners and posters, get leaflets and go around and throw them around and create pamphlets and books and there are so many ways and I'm just uh, just very curious but one method that is really standing out really for me which I find so powerful is the performance of rudeness it's the performance of rudeness <laughs> what okay performance of rudeness yes like being rude just being rude. Wait a minute, you gotta, you gotta explain this. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, you know, like we have like all these big army generals who are beating up people and somebody decides to choose some of the worst insults that you can ever get and they post them online and they haunt them and they call them names. And it's just, uh, it's, I've never seen this. And then uh, just seeing like, you know, the, the amount of attention that these kinds of actors are receiving and just even the public debate that is generating in the country, because it goes against all the politeness that we are used to. We are very, 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 very polite people. We are power distances, we respect authority. 
we are very tend to be very submissive and but all of a sudden this is very disruptive of all the thought patterns on the way how we are used to doing things because politicians are sometimes like gods I'm a generals are like a gods and here we are somebody who doesn't have an army is not even a politician he can decide to write poetry or he decides to write uh, uh, Facebook posts that reduce all of these big names into just nothing. Like, so it, it has just been very interesting to watch. So these are like symbolic gestures and dramatic gestures that are just powerful when performed in a communicating and reclaiming space. Like, you know, you can't tell me to shut down. I'm going to say you nothing. So this kind of thing is just going on right now in the country. And uh, it's like it has, you see a certain boldness by the leaders of this kind of political activism that we have never seen before. Because this is a country where blood can, is, has, has been uh, flowing for years. And then these people just put themselves in, in, a, in, in harm's way and saying, yeah, we know you general so-and-so and this and this, and they come up with the worst insults that you can think of. And all these insults are connected to, to the politics and the kinds of decisions that they have made or some of the things that they have done to the citizens. And uh, it's creating both local attention but it also creating international attention. And I'll ask some of your listeners and some of your viewers that perhaps will join the conversation and will be able to, to just look for two names. There is Stella Nyanzi and there is Kakwenza Lukirabasaija. You will find those names Her. there. I got We've it. We've never seen anything like this. And uh, so we, we're doing a lot of things are happening. And I really just to see that, you know, these kinds of things can take all kinds of directions. Ugandans are composing songs, protest songs that they post on, on YouTube and Ugandans, they've been composed in local languages. And the local people can be able to listen to them as well. And this is a form of protest. There are also the wearing of symbols, like the red colors and head bandanas. They have also, because we are a very religious country, we've also seen them like exploit religion so they can decide to organize the prayer worship. And uh, the preaching is about how justice should be the thing and how people need to have their voice. And uh, all the preaching is like sort of like uh, condemns the, 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 the political repression that is going on in the country. Just the other day, a different set of polit activists decided to get pigs, like piglets, and they painted them in the colors of the ruling party and somehow sneaked them into the parliament of Uganda 
and released them. You know, that is, oh my God, that is like so, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, like, like piglets running around in the park and the colors of the ruling government. It's like symbolic. It's the symbolism that is in that is really powerful. Wow. Wow. You know, they are communicating. They are communicating. And if some of these images are into the public imagination too, for example, of course, we know if you read Animal Farm and now here you are with piglets, they are painted in the colors of the ruling regime, the connections that come through this kind of gesture and dramatic gesture is just a very, 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 very powerful. So I've, I've seen that and I said, well, this is, this is really something very good. At other times we've seen protests to rob, uh, disrobing, like people taking off their clothes. Yeah. Especially with the ladies. Now, culturally, <laughs> culturally, like anywhere in the world, that's typically not, it's not highly encouraged by governments. So, no. and oh my gosh. So do you want to say more about that? That's, that's kind of a huge deal. It is. Yeah. Especially in uh, an African context like ours, where you can talk about sex so easily and matters of sexuality, everything is like hush, 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 hush. And uh, so here we are, a group of women are so old to be able to remove their bras and just walk around and send a message. And it's, uh, it's, it's really very powerful. This kind of uh, performance uh, in political activism, I've just found it really, really very, very powerful for me. So there are all kinds of like ways of putting pressures on a government so that changes can be able to be at least to create attention, also to push so that there is uh, some kind of uh, uh, change that can happen. But so um, I've just been taken by the, all this, the haunting of officials and the taunting of officials, that has really been very powerful. We've never seen anything like that. It's a form of activism that we've never experienced before at all. Then we're also seeing humorous skits all these other smaller groups coming up. There is a government policy that has become up and they do a small performance that mocks and ridicules what the government is doing or a policy that they are passing. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I it just, I'm just enjoying, it's very, very creative. Huh? Oh my God. Also saying, uh, uh, what we call political mourning. Somebody, there are some political activists that, for example, have been killed, shot, run over, uh, tortured in, uh, in, uh, in the torture chambers. So people go and pay homage at, at the burial places 
and they have to exploit this to be able to pass a message about how things are not going well in this country. So this political mourning is something like every funeral that is going to happen, the activists are going to exploit it in some way to be able to send a message and to just to put it like, if we won't allow us to go on the radios and the televisions, we're going to find where people are. And funerals in our part of the world are still well attended actually. So then you have all this audience and then if you can be able to get some videos and post them on YouTube, you can be able really to get a lot of uh, mileage. It's a form of, uh, yeah. And then we've seen also mock funerals. So and so one of the big names has died. I think it's one of the students. I think he did, I don't know, an effigy, effigy, do they call them effigies? Like when you create. Yes, the effigy. The effigies of one of the big politicians there and dressed him in his, the way how we usually dresses. And then he found someplace somewhere downtown the city and uh, he laid this body, the so-and-so has died. Like then laid the body there and he was lashing it, you know, <laughs> in a public sphere. And you know, you lashing the dead body. <laughs> <laughs> lashing the dead but this this is really like the things that are packed in this gesture where somebody creates an effigy of a big name politician and then he says he's dead and this is his body identifies a particular space that has a lot of traffic and a lot of people and he lays down this dead body and then he spends a lot of hours just latching this and saying all kinds of things that were wrong with this man. <laughs> that is that is like so disruptive of now in the US, that would be really, really like offensive and yeah. it would be disruptive. Yeah, that it gets you thinking. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, thousands of people that are passing by in their vehicles, people who are walking by and they are seeing this man whom they can identify, he has died and his body is undergoing all of this, you know? These but political activists are getting, they're getting really creative and very bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, we've also seen, we had an election, I think it was 2016, where somehow people thought this election was stolen. So what they did, the opposition politicians, what they did was to hold a dual swearing-in ceremony. So the president saw in somewhere else and the position, the politicians also decided to enact their own swearing in ceremony. Basically saying, we don't recognize you as the president, 
but we have a different president here. So like dual sovereignty and parallel governments like playing out and the drama in that gesture and the pictures that we saw, somebody else also is holding a Bible, whatever the constitution and saying basically, you nothing. We don't believe in the, in the election that you want. And uh, we, we just having something else. So it is, it, it is getting really, but it's very creative in terms of how the message is being communicated. If I can't write or go on the, over the television, this is what I'm going to do. And it's going to also carry meaning for me and it's going to put me uh, somewhere. One other aspect again that I'm seeing is political cartoons or political satire. We have two cartoonists in the country that have been so powerful in drawing caricatures or satire that really has helped us to laugh at ourselves as a country, but also to see how low the country has gone in terms of either democracy or the way how the country is being run. So again, I'm going to recommend maybe at the end of our talk together, the, a few cartoons that people can be able to look up and maybe see, they're on Facebook anyway. And they have their own Facebook pages and they can just see how they have, they have really told a story and they have really, they have really hit uh, the, the sitting government in all kinds of uh, uh, parts as far as issues of democracy, uh, uh, torture of the citizens and narrowing of political space and freedoms and just mere cartoons. So these are cartoonists, every time that they put something on their Facebook page, you can get like 2,000 likes just in a very a few minutes. Like, like all of a sudden everyone is, and we are interpreting, and we know all the de little details about our country, and we can be able to see ourselves, and we can be able to say, you, you, you laugh, you can be able to feel sad about what is going, but just through a simple image of a cartoon. It's a cartoon, and it's just there, this is what is happening. So you passed this policy. This is what is going, this is what it means. If you've not taken, you as a government have not taken the time really think deep about this. I'm just, I'm just really finding it interesting. And I don't know where all of this is going to end, but that's a, a certain type of purpose that is really helping us reclaim reclaim. Uh, space and also push really for the civil within this basic communication, performance communication that is happening and uh, it is helping us. So don't, people shouldn't underestimate the power of communication. There is, uh, there is a lot that you can do with it. Well, one day is closing and the creation giving them other avenues through which they can 
fight to themselves and try to live in dignity and freedom. So I think these are some of the things we wanted to reflect on. And unless when you have some questions and uh, any clarification that you wanted, I'm just here, but. I love that you are so passionate about what's happening in your hometown, like in your home country, because I remember when we, when you were here studying in the U.S., you spoke a lot about it. And I remember learning a lot about it from you. And I feel like even then it felt very different. And now it feels like things are just really tense and really like things are happening, like you said, that have never happened culturally, symbolically through performance and activism. And I think when you say don't underestimate communication, I just want to echo that, right? Like the first thing that governments will do is try to take that away from people and you, yes. at the beginning of this, mentioned multiple different laws and acts and policies that the government is trying to silence the people. And that is really, that's really intense when people in power try to silence people who have a lot less. And I think one of my questions for you is, because you're working as an academic, how is your experience working as an academic? Are you able to reach your students? Are you able to have conversations where you where you critique the government in your classroom? Yeah, well, what 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 is happening right now? I'm teaching in the neighboring country of Kenya, so Uganda is neighboring Kenya, but I I keep going to Uganda all the time. And all of my scholarships is really focused on Uganda. And for, there are some other national, or for example, national, Uganda newspapers that have kind of like been sympathetic to issues of social justice. And I tend to drift towards them. So once in a while I write opinion editorials and say, this is just wrong. This shouldn't be like that. And they are kind of like, okay, we can be able to run this. Yeah, this is really affects all of us. And we don't know because these are paper, newspapers that have been shut down in the past. Radio stations that have been shut down in the past. And so they, sometimes I get space that way because I, I have the gift at the training in communication that I can be able to write very good edit opinion editorials and also offer commentary. So I'm in Kenya right now, that's where I teach. And uh, I'm trying to inject as much social justice related content or angles to the students that I'm dealing with as much as I can. And they know, they know, yeah, that, you know, we need to have respect, there are freedoms, there are this and this. And this is the way how you need to relate with others. And the government needs to treat you better than the way how it's treating you. Yet, there is one thing that is really very, I find really very important. I, I, I find it very sad. With uh, the narrowing and the withdrawing of freedoms and other things like that in the country, 
the government has drifted towards torture, which I really find, if you look maybe on my Facebook page and I said, like this gentleman I'm talking about, Kakwenza, he insulted, I think, a president was, uh, or his son, and was instead of being taken to a law court, he was taken in the torture chamber. And the, the amount, they beat basically the daylights out of him. And I said, if a citizen has broken the law, the right place for him to be taken is the law court, not a torture chamber. And when you start, it's, it's a level of impunity that I'm just, I'm just uh, unhappy with. I'm just not uh, comfortable with. So I just say, you know, I put out a voice and I just say, you know, it shouldn't be like this. Because there are people that have been run over by police vehicles. Can you imagine <laughs> this? Citizens that have been shot because they went out and they were protesting. Why don't you use rubber bullets for heaven's sake? You know? Yes, yeah, if you I, want to disperse. My heart is so heavy with the sobering reality that this is happening in so many places. It's also happening in the U.S. with the police state violence, which I know you're aware of. And I feel like grateful to know you and for your willingness and ability to speak on it and to use your voice and communication gifts and skills to communicate these injustices and these wrongdoings and these really, really inappropriate ways that people in power are abusing their power and also causing so much harm. And I think that's why conversations about justice and about accountability are so important. Again, why we should absolutely not be silencing the people or people shouldn't be silenced. It, yeah, it's, it's really intense and it's, not right at all. I'm glad that you're in Kenya. Can I just ask if you're a little safer there teaching there? Okay. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I appreciate being here. I also make trips to Uganda because yeah. at some point, yeah, it may cause me problems, but uh, at this point, I no longer care. Mm. I no longer really care. Like, um, if it comes and it happens, it happens. And, uh, and be, be sure I will exploit it and it will create a lot of news. Mm. Yeah. I... Because uh, it's the only way how you can be able to put the things into the light. You know, one of the things that happens, as we say in the local language, some of these things really survive like mushrooms in the dark. So they, they like so much darkness and, and the, that's the way how they operate. And shutting down communication and what is, is one of the ways of creating that kind of darkness 
so that they can be able to do all those kinds of things with impunity. Nobody knows what is happening, but I have an international sort of profile. And if anything happened to me, this is going to create news. I'll be a newsmaker. And if that can be of benefit to people, I think that's, that's it. That's that I will just appreciate it as well. One thing I appreciate from for being a student at SF State was the communication studies program was oriented towards social justice. Never take that for granted. It's kind of like gave us a certain sort of values or classes through which we can be able to look at the world and what is happening. Who is benefiting and who is just uh, not benefiting? Who is being oppressed and who is just, who is oppressing the other? So always looking out for like, you know, the people that are on the margins, people that are under the boots of others. And we see what can we be able to do using all the training that we support this and right the wrongs that are in this place. So don't take for granted that orientation. And I'm just praying and I hope that it's maintained. Like, you know, every human being needs to live in dignity and needs to be respected. Full stop. You know, Jade. Oh no, I know. I, oh, I completely agree. I feel like it is so, it's so important to really not forget the value of the conversations that we've had and the opportunities that we've had to really educate ourselves and space to have conversations about social justice issues, issues going on of and how to communicate about power. And I think that you are absolutely connected to so many of us in San Francisco that like literally if anything were to ever happen to you, we would we will cause an international disruption. I think I lost you for a second. I think you froze. Okay, friends, we've had an issue happen that we haven't encountered quite yet, which is where a guest lost internet connection. Thankfully, they're safe, they're okay. It was just an issue of Wi-Fi. We will be bringing our guest back for a part two. They are currently going to be traveling, so it might take a hot minute, but we will be bringing them back to kind of close out and round out this conversation that did have an, an unanticipated abrupt ending. We both apologize to you for this and are very grateful for your openness and willingness to hear this message. Thank you all so much and I'll be around in the next episode.